0: Welcome back everyone to another episode of born to rain. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving, uh, with your family, with your friends, um, enjoyed eating that turkey and stuffing and gravy and mashed potatoes and whatever else you put on your, uh, Thanksgiving plate. Pray that it was a blessed time. Uh, but it actually kind of got us thinking, um, as we discussed in our Thanksgiving special, if you haven't go, uh, check that episode out, we discussed, uh, the idea of Thanksgiving in general and uh, why it's a, a very beneficial uh, holiday for us, especially as Christians, and how we have a, a good reason to be thankful. Um, but it's one of the most beloved traditions for us as Christians, as a uh, a holiday that's not any found anywhere in Scripture. Um, but it, it got us kind of thinking about the the nature of tradition in general and how there are many different things that we, we would consider tradition and, uh, things that we do and maybe don't even question why we do them that, you know, the answer is just kind of, well, we've kind of always done this. Uh, so we thought we'd dig down a little bit deeper and look at tradition through church history, through the, the life of the church, why it's important, where some pitfalls we might, uh, encounter, uh, and, and, uh, look at some of the, also some of the beauty and the value of it. So, uh, Jeremiah, why don't you give us kind of a, give us a a basic definition of what, uh, tradition is and we can kind of, uh, go from there.
1: Sure. Uh, so tradition, according to, you know, the best biblical source in the world, Merriam Webster. So here's, here's their, here's their definition an inherited established or customary pattern of thought, action, or behavior, such as a religious practice or a social custom. Hmm. Uh, they say the handing down of information, beliefs and customs by word of mouth. So, uh, does that make a tradition, not a tradition if it's written down? I, I believe that definition is kind of the, I believe that is the case. Okay. Uh, especially as Paul says, uh, so then brothers and sisters stand firm and hold to the, to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by spoken word or by our letter. So I guess Paul's walking back. What I just said is that his traditions are either by spoken word or by letter. Right. That, that's, I guess that's, Paul's. but the
0: idea is something that's being handed down from one authority to, uh, to the, to the next or from one generation to the next. Yes. Um, as something that, uh, It's an action. It's something that we do. You know, you don't being a child of a parent is not being a tradition, but (laughs) um, how we celebrate Thanksgiving is a tradition. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, like a lot of other words in the church, it takes on a different definition within the church. It's it's. When I was a kid, I used to work, uh, growing up, being a laborer for my dad and my uncle, and construction sites. And when I first realized how to use a hammer, I wanted to hit everything with it. Whatever moved, bugs, like anything. Uh that's kind of how it is with this word tradition. Once you figure out that within the church, tradition is a bad word, then you right. start whacking people over the head with it. No, that's tradition, bad. No, that's tradition, bad. And it so in the church it kind of takes on a meaning of uh, well, uh, a meaning it has a negative connotation but the meaning is that it's unscriptural right which i i, I have a uh quabble with because uh tradition by by definition inherently isn't against scripture you can have traditions that are coherent with scripture so get, give an example if we
0: if we were to look at, at scripture, you know, I think one of the ones that we brought up in our Thanksgiving episode uh, was uh, the way the Lord's Supper was instituted, right? Yes. That this was, um, the, the requirement that God gave of Israel to celebrate the Passover was to have them uh, sacrifice a lamb and eat it, spread the blood over the doorpost. Um, by the time Jesus comes, and many many uh even today will celebrate a Seder dinner, a Passover dinner, um, remembering what the what the Jews and the way the Jews celebrated that uh that feast from being delivered from Egypt and it included many more things than just sacrificing a lamb and just uh smearing the blood over the, the doorpost. And yet Jesus comes along and takes that and says Look, here's the tradition of man. <laughs> but this is now the new covenant in my blood. As often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do so in remembrance of me.
1: And the the heart of that is that if if those new institutions that were added onto the Lord's supper were against the law, then Jesus would have sinned by participating in them. Right. And, and as the as the perfect Messiah would have come and would have condemned
0: that Right, as a wicked practice. Right, which he did with some traditions. He right. did some of their some of their hand washing, some of their yes, the, the sabbatical the sabbatical laws.
1: Right, when the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, "Why aren't your Why aren't your apostles washing their hands?" Right, he was like, "Because you teach you teach as Scripture the traditions of men." Right. So, it's important to recognize that yes, Jesus condemns bad Scripture, but he also upheld good Scripture. He condemns bad tradition, but he also upholds good tradition. Right. And in the church, we, we've lost the fact that he upheld the good tradition. Right. And that he participated in it. And also, I think there's a good argument to make. For example, I'll bring, up, I'll bring it up. Calvinism. Uh-oh. Uh, I come to Tim and I say, hey, I think I'm a Calvinist. You say, that's a tradition of men. Okay. Okay, Jeremiah. So stop. Stop it right now. And,
0: and anybody who's been a Calvinist for any length of time will get uh, accused of that. <laughs> right, yeah,
1: I've heard it several times. Uh, and But the problem is, in order to say that, first you have to prove that Calvinism isn't scriptural, but it's uh, explicitly scriptural. So it's not a tradition. The nickname Calvinism might be, but I'm also a Trinitarian. The word Trinity isn't in the Bible but the Trinitarian doctrine is explicitly scriptural. So I I don't think that those qualify as traditions per se, but that speaks to the fact that the word tradition has such a strong negative connotation with it, that all you have to do is use that word and you'll send people running away from otherwise scriptural ideas. Right. And that's a dangerous thing. That's, that's, That's not good. But I think one tradition, for example, I think this is a good example is the anointing of babies. So they used to anoint them with oils. Hmm. Uh, Anglicans still do it. Actually, I think most of the church worldwide still does it. But it was... Especially in the
0: Eastern Church, they do it a lot. Right. For sure, but...
1: Uh, when Aaron was anointed as a priest and all the other priests were anointed, they would be anointed with oil. And they were anointed... The Levitical law explains how to... Uh, make them priests in a chiastic order and at the center of the chiasm is oil. Mm. So the oil was the center of being anointed as a priest. Well, the new covenant, we're a holy priesthood. Everybody who's saved is is a priest unto God. So after baptism, after a a baby is baptized and made a priest unto God, they would anoint him with oil as a priest Mm -hmm. and a king because kings were also anointed with oil. And John says, we are priests and kings in Revelation chapter one. So that's a good tradition where it doesn't say explicitly uh, anoint your children with oil, but that's a good tradition that's coherent with scripture. Not necessarily said to do it, but would Jesus have done it? Well, he did the Passover traditions. Right. And now it, it, it
0: creates a, and we'll probably get into this here in a minute with, with some of the things of the, the Eastern church and the Orthodox uh, side of things mm-hmm. that you can rely very, very heavily on those traditions. But when you look just straight straight at the traditions and say, okay, here's here's some of these things uh, that we were given. Um, you know, you have very, very early writings in the church. Um, you know, one of the ones that you bring up uh, a lot is the, the Dedicae um, that gives, what, detailed detailed instructions for here's how here's how to baptize somebody and here here's the the way that you're supposed to do this um we look in scripture and you'd flip through scripture and go wait there's no explicit instruction for how that's supposed to happen and then you have this christian uh early writing that writes this down and then passes it down and then you know along the way you get different uh, people who have different takes on stuff and and kind of get off the rails. Um, but it's interesting. The the churches who rely very heavily on tradition also tend to not be super, how do I want to say it? I want to say it carefully. Uh, th- they tend to not be uh, very tossed to and fro, if you will um by doctrinal issues the though if you take just specific practical practices within the church you know you look at the the Orthodox Church the Coptics the um you know that type even the the Roman Catholic Church when when you rely very heavily on tradition you'll also see uh, doctrinally they tend to not change a whole lot if you track through church history now you have Roman Catholic Church that kind of went yeah, uh, Roman Catholic uh, Church
1: uh, has changed quite a bit. Uh, I would argue a
0: little, a, a little funky. But when you look um, in a lot of those ways, um, there, there's the tradition has protected the church in, in many cases. The Eastern Church, um, yeah. Well, and then you look at the the Western Church that, especially in the last what 150, 200 years, has really started casting off traditions and saying these are all traditions of men. We're not. Uh, going to follow these anymore uh, and you start casting them off and what happens it's a fast descent into all sorts of weird stuff that is huh. just as unbiblical as the, th- the the traditions that they're condemning originally
1: right mm-hmm. well I mean the the Western Church started changing around a thousand I mean, well, oh, they've been changing a lot. The papacy? Tradition. Transubstantiation? Tradition. The rejection of paedo-communion? Tradition. Like, new traditions that they created right. because they believe they were the authority of tradition. The Eastern Church is more like a paralyzed creature that yeah. refuses to move. And but so they're stuck in their traditions, and they do not change anything. The Protestant tradition says, tradition is good. Our tradition uh, is awesome calvin says in the beginning of his institutes he says uh if if it was up to the church fathers if it was up to tradition we win protestants win the reformers win Mm. uh he's and then he goes through and quotes all these things like uh, a bunch of evidence from the fathers saying that we are the ones who win when it comes to tradition the difference is what's the standard by what standard the rome standard is themselves right their own heart E- the East has no standard; they they're just paralyzed. The Protestants have Scripture as their standard. Well, and that's 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 where you get into the the trouble is
0: that, well, in a lot of ways that tradition has preserved them, like I said, but in some good ways, yeah. If you encounter a, a Roman Catholic, there are a, a lot of Roman Catholics will tell you, um, yes, Paul writes there and says whether by uh, hold fast to the traditions, whether by uh, word or epistle. So that's spoken word or written word. Ho- hold to these traditions that were taught. The Catholic will then also elevate the oral tradition over the written tradition. Mm-hmm. And, and they create um, that oral tradition as superior to the written word, um, which when you, Again, when you come back to the Protestant, the, ref, the Reformation, um, and then take that and go, look, we foundationally hold to sola scriptura. Um, if you can't justify your tradition from scripture, you can't just be making stuff up. So th- there, there's right. a difference between, um, you know, uh, good tradition and bad tradition, which you mentioned earlier. Uh, you can't just be bailing on um, what scripture says and go, oh. Well, I thought this was a good idea, and so we're going to start doing this. Um, but but you have to rely very. He- where where's your foundation? Does your foundation start with scripture, or does it start somewhere else? And then when you move it somewhere else, you run into the the Roman Catholic, where you have a pope um, that establishes tradition, which then becomes uh, binding on uh, the the uh, the Christian, the the follower, um, and and you you run you run yourself rampant into all sorts of weirdness um sometimes with good intentions other times mm-hmm. uh probably not so so good intentions
1: yeah there's some there's some things i can really admire i i think that especially from the non denominational uh side of evangelicalism I think the average non-denominational Christian who ran into an educated, well-spoken, serious practicing Catholic would be at a loss for words if they were to get into an argument. And I think that they would. And I think that's why we have such a large amount of evangelicals converting to the Catholic church. Right. As we speak. And I, so there's some stuff I admire. I admire that they have a connection to history that everybody is missing. And, however, you can find that in the Reformed tradition. And I believe that we actually have a great example, and I'm so grateful for the example of Jesus in Mark 7, where Jesus says that the Word of God, the written, the God-breathed, the Word of God, the commandment of God, is the standard for tradition. When he says to the Pharisees, for you lay aside the commandment of God, and you hold the tradition of men. Mark seven verse eight. Jesus shows us the example that some traditions are good, like when he participates in the Passover traditions. Some traditions are bad when they lay aside the commandment of God. Right. So, I believe it's a worthy exercise to look at certain traditions that other churches have. Are they are they in uh, are they coherent with the commandment of God? If so, why not? If they want to do that, they can do that. Right. Uh, if they're at odds with the commandment of God, they should be rejected just like Jesus did. Right. Well, and, and so
0: if we, um, maybe you can help uh, try and uh, give a, some specific examples where some of those things can uh, be twisted and manipulated in, um, and we discussed some of this in our, our episode on uh religion, whether religion is a good thing or a bad thing, and we kind of discuss where that helps protect us that though it puts us a gives us a fence uh you know there's a fence not a f- offense <laughs> <laughs> um but the you know you know that there's there's certain things like okay, if we have the Lord's Supper, Jesus gave us that we can call that a tradition and not be not balk at it um mm-hmm. now Each church might have a a different take on, okay, do we take this weekly, once a month, once a quarter, once a year, (laughs) you know, uh, where do we do that? That, That's where kind of different takes on the tradition start to come in, but in the church, the tradition of, we, we're supposed to partake of the Lord's supper is the foundational. We start there and go, okay, there's our, there's our tradition, um. And that gets passed down. Now, each person, you know, some people will will make a case for um, whether you can use grape juice versus wine, whether you can, uh, you know, use um, leavened bread versus unleavened bread. You know, all these things that, that discussions of different types of tradition get thrown in there. But where where does the tradition end up falling back on? Is that Jesus commanded us? In the in this case of the Lord's Supper, Jesus commanded us: uh, "You're supposed to do this until I come back, uh, until I return. You're supposed to do this. Um, that's that's the tradition that we get to hold to. And there's a specific example. I don't know if you have any, uh, if anything else comes to mind. But there there's different ideas uh, that that come in that we have to be wary of. Okay, is um, communion then? Are we are we free to just kind of make it whatever we want just so long as we're doing it or uh, w- what parameters can we use to to help protect ourselves from just wandering into basically saying that nothing matters uh, which is what you do when you just start casting off uh, a lot of tradition
1: um, mm. a- overall there's two ditches on this on this road the and and pretty significant dishes <laughs> yes yeah. uh, I, I think the w- the best way to keep us from being anti-tradition and anti-church, which is extremely dangerous and spiritually starving. I've been there. Uh, is the best parameter is belief in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, if if the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost over 2000 years ago, and Jesus said this Holy Spirit's going to be dwelling within the church, that means the Holy Spirit has been on the earth, working in the earth, through the church, through humans for 2,000 years. Yeah. So, when we look at church history, when we, when we look at traditions that our forefathers have handed down to us, we need to take it very serious knowing that the Holy Spirit was with them just as the Holy Spirit is with us. That, that alone should keep us from being uh, dismissive when it comes to tradition. Tradition should be taken very seriously because it was a lot of the times given at the behest of the Holy Spirit. Right. But it needs to be that, that attitude needs to be, uh, tempered with belief in scripture and that scripture was of the Holy Spirit. It always, it all goes back to the Holy Spirit. So for example, in the, in the medieval times, we find hymn books where most of the hymns are to Mary. (laughs) they're singing to mary hey yay yay uh there's (laughs) there's barely any hymns to jesus and that's obviously a grave mistake so somebody can look to that and say well why did the holy spirit let this happen shouldn't shouldn't we shouldn't we bow down to it and you know accept it and and do what do what they were doing no why not well because it goes against scripture so the whole our goal here is to follow the holy spirit and if and if there's a certain tradition, like the perpetual virginity of Mary, Calvin and Luther both held to it. And I believe they held to it out of a respect for church tradition and out of a scholarly look at the Bible. Right. But that's one of those things where, for example, you look at it and you're like, I can't really tell when you, when you dig into the Greek and stuff, you're like, I I don't really know. I can't really tell if you have a respect for church tradition and the fact that it's unanimous, throughout church history, then you would lean that way. Right. That's that's the kind of uh, attitude towards tradition I think we should have. But we should also be willing to say, eh, they were wrong. We don't
0: worship Polycarp. Right. We don't worship Augustine. Yeah. We, we don't. You have to be very, very careful, because then you end up falling into that ditch that Jesus accused the Pharisees of, of, um, teaching as commandments, the doctrines of men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if you take take the different streams of the, the Christian faith or the different branches of our family tree, um, we can look at the Eastern church and say, there are many of them, I don't know that I would say all, um, there are many of those uh, Eastern traditions uh, that we can, I think, genuinely say, or brothers and sisters in Christ, um, and there are. Uh, we can look just in America. Look at the the denominations, the the traditions that we have in America. You have Presbyterian, you have Methodist, you have uh, Baptists, you have um, Anglicans. You know all all this, all these different things, all these different traditions. And I can look at each and every one of them, and say, Yeah, there are still elect covenant people of God in those, in those bodies, despite them having, uh, different traditions, um, different practices. If we just take those as specific actions, um, and different, uh, different liturgies, different, you know, all all that type of stuff. Uh, we can look in that direction and go, Oh, we're all still moving in the same direction, which is unity in Christ. Um, I think that's that's one of the big things that we miss in the, the f- I mean, specifically in America. The, the, the church is so fractured over these traditions um, that we have to be careful to go, well, let's, let's step back and examine, um, you know, get back to common ground and then kind of continue to work those, those differences out um, because Christ is building us up, as you mentioned earlier. He's building us up into something he he's building a new temple you know he, he's building us up into his body, his bride um and if if our are if we're too quick to just dismiss a, a whole branch of the Christian family as crazy because of their traditions um that, then we run the risk of excommunicating brothers and sisters unjustly um, in a lot of, in a lot of um, shall we call it secondary issues, um, which is where we have to be very cautious how we approach the, this topic of uh, tradition because it can be helpful, but it also can be very uh, dangerous uh, on both sides. Like you said, um, there's,
1: there's ditches on both sides Yeah. And I, I completely agree. And it's, it's also tradition can be used as a weapon. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Here's what I mean. Okay. Think about, think about uh, a typical American pastor who says that's tradition and dismisses it. Uh, when it comes to certain pet topics, that person there's hundreds of thousands of them in America. Is going to be the first person to run towards church history. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Most of the time, it's premillennialism because some church fathers were mildly premillennial. So they'll they'll run to church history and be like, "See, church history is on our side." Well, not really, because Papias was reading from Second Baruch, which is extra biblical, and Ire- Irenaeus took. Papias' word for it, since Papias was a disciple of John and Irenaeus, you know, kept on going. It's really just a, a Judaic myth. Uh, but anyways, uh <laughs> uh, got a little bit ahead of myself. Not, not to get too far under the rabbit trail. But. Whoops. <laughs> um, but I think that Christians should have a healthy view where they're not using tradition as a club when it only comes to their agenda. And they also should not have a unhealthy view where it's all they think about or it's all they see is authoritative. And it's also all they or it's completely irrelevant. It's been said uh,
0: the one the man who says he has no traditions is the one who has the most.
1: Yes. And that's I I was going to go there was that they're inescapable. Right. We all have them and I think that God made us that way because they, they are a way to connect us to one another. Because in, in the
0: basic, um, outlook on life, we want to know that what we're doing matters. I love the, I love the, the the phrase that RC Sproul was famous for using was that right now matters forever. Um, and we have this, because we're eternal, immortal creatures, that God created us with a soul that's going to live forever, um, we have this intrinsic desire for meaning. We want to know that what we're doing here matters um, and, it's, and that it will continue to matter, that it will last. Uh, we, we face our physical mortality here, but we want what we do to matter, um, and so we put emphasis on tradition as a a desire for meaning. We we like meaning in life, and if we don't uh, if we don't follow what the word says, if we don't follow what Scripture says, then our lives aren't going to have any meaning. But what are the actions that we're doing? What are they pointing towards? You know, th- there's a, a famous, uh, cliche that I'm not a huge fan of. I think I've probably mentioned it in episodes before, uh, that a Christian is supposed to, uh, preach the gospel at all times <laughs> and when necessary, use words. Um, and th- there's elements of truth in that, I think, but w- the idea is by the way you live your life, people will know that you're a Christian, um there's a desire in that even a, a cliche statement like that there is there's a desire to say what you do matters um, but if you're not it, it, a lot of the people who use that same phrase will also turn around and you know point at you and say you're not you're not following the Bible you're following traditions um, but that but that's a, a They're holding to a tradition by saying uh, these other things. And so it it goes back to the, you know, whoever says they don't have traditions uh, has the most. But when you say, look, uh, everything that we do in our Sunday morning liturgy has a meaning. There's a tradition that that was passed down um, and we can take those things and go, that desire that you have for meaning, you can do things that have this uh, tradition built in. That gives you that meaning. That's where a lot of ev- you mentioned a lot of evangelicals falling into the Roman Catholic ditch. A lot of Reformed uh, evangelicals end up falling into the Eastern Orthodox and the uh, that that uh, Eastern tradition. In that pursuit of meaning, uh, that tradition that goes, you know, you walk into <laughs> you walk into a, a an Orthodox church and look around, and the the what are they uh, is it a bishop the father the what a pastor <laughs> i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> um it, in the it, in the church can point to every single thing in the building and tell you what it means that that there's nothing random in the mm-hmm. in, in the church and there's a lot of tradition baked in there and that's why it's very attractive to a lot mm-hmm. of people um again you got to be careful on that but i think there's There's something worth learning from there to say, look, what we do when, especially, especially, and I can't emphasize that enough, especially when the saints gather together on Mm -hmm. the Lord's day, um, as a congregation, we're actually gathering as the body of Christ, um, that what we're doing there matters. And so it, it, it matters what we, what we do, how we conduct ourselves, Um, and and the, the things that we do
1: there in the beginning of the cantus, um, in the either forward or introduction, no, no, I think it's the intro, uh, the Reverend Ben Zorns, your older bro, uh, he says something that I've never heard before. And I was reading it out loud to my wife and I was just tearing up and it, it was the, uh, the fact that when you speak, the vibrations that come out of your mouth never actually stop. Yeah. They resonate throughout the universe forever. So the question isn't, are we going to fill the universe with sounds? And, and it's what vibrations are we going to fill the universe with? Right. Not whether we're going to, but which. And that is, that speaks to the fact that every action, every word has cosmic consequences, has eternal meaning. And one of the things that's baked into the pie with humans is generational faithfulness. One of the one of the things that gives us meaning in what we do is our fathers and our father's fathers and what they did. So if we're doing something that our fathers did, it adds more meaning to it. It adds more cosmic consequence to it. And so when I'm in church on Sunday and Hebrews 12 teaches that we're in the Uh, presence of angels and saints we're we're worshiping with both the church militant and the church triumphant and i'm saying the apostles creed which we have copies of from as far as 90 ad when i'm saying the apostles creed i'm recognizing that i'm saying the apostles creed with almost all of the saints in church history that i'm lifted up to the throne room of god through the firmament and i'm saying this with an innumerable amount of saints and angels And we're saying this together. Right. Now that's a tradition that has meaning, has cosmic consequences. It connects me to the generations before me and it connects the generations after me to myself.
0: Right. Well, and just take that. Those creeds are great examples of, um, and and we really got into this uh, in our uh, religion episode. Um, the, The value of creeds and confessions that, that help, keep us united uh, across church history. Um, one of these things it just popped into my head. Think about this. Um, there's only really one verse that you can sort of draw from to pray for your food. Oh, yeah, that's true. And yet, just about every Christian household that I've ever been at praise before every meal hmm. that's a tradition that that's not something i'm I'm trying to remember where where it is um i want to say it's in thessalonians that that um you're supposed to give thanks and it specifically uh, ties it with food and meals i think it's second thessalonians but um it, it's it's funny that i mean that's something that's so simple
1: that's a tradition
0: that's a tradition that's a tradition um it's a good one that's there's nothing wrong with it Mm -hmm. and to the point where it's such a tradition that's so ingrained in christian uh households that if you as a christian go over to another christian's house and they don't pray before their meal you're like wait what what? are you doing like you feel that (laughs) <laughs> something wait, something's off here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and, and you know, one way or the other can a Christian eat and give thanks without, you know, praying out loud uh in front of everybody else? Uh sure. Um but um and is it a good practice to, to pray before your meals? Yes. Yes, yes absolutely. Uh, but wow. <laughs> that that's that's a that's a tradition that virtually everybody holds to. Um, without question. No, no, nobody that I know of has ever gone, well, can we justify praying before meals? F- um? I've had
1: a few people say that to me. Oh, there, are, really? there are some very consistent-minded people out there. I'll, I'll give them that. Uh, but have you ever seen the video of Apologia's church plant in Kauai? Uh-uh. Hawaii? Oh, you're going to dig this. So when they went to chur- plant a church there, and they getting to know the people, they realized that these people would sing a song before family dinners. Oh, wow. You know what that song was? Hmm. It was the doxology in their native Hawaiian language. Oh, wow. And it was a tradition passed down to them from the 1800s. Wow. When the Puritans went and uh, evangelized them. That's crazy. So there's Hawaiians today that get together before dinner and sing the doxology and they don't even know why. But it's it's like praying for your food. And that's how that's how me and me and my family are getting where when, when we're together and we're not singing, it's kind of weird. Right. Uh, it's just kind of a given now. Yeah. Uh, but I would I would encourage the listener uh, to kind of like how Tim was saying with the Eastern Church, how they can point to everything and have a reason. I would encourage you to get some tangible items in your house that your kids will be able to point to in the future and give meaning to. As, as they're growing up. We're not talking icons. No icons. No icons. Second commandment violation. He's you up. will go to hell. No, nope. Yeah. No <laughs> <laughs> No pictures of Mary. Nope. None of that. Um, I got a... So I gotta, what would uh, you give an
0: ex- as an example for that?
1: I got uh, a family Bible. Okay. It's very big. Uh, it says Hasso family on it. Uh, I also got a advent calendar. It's not out right now, but uh, it's pretty cool and it has like little cubbies where you can put like candies in there for kids every day um i i'm planning on i just don't have the guts to spend the money yet on getting items to put around the house for every liturgical season hmm. on the liturgical calendar so that my children will grow up before they have the cognitive ability to understand they'll grow up uh participating in the reality of Jesus Christ or uh redeemed cosmos yeah i would also encourage the reader even though it's awkward maybe somebody's gonna walk in your house and be like what are you a catholic you (laughs) got a family bible or or say like what singing that's really weird like who cares okay obviously what we've been doing as a church isn't working (laughs) so let's try something new and traditions are
0: and yet the thing the thing that you're proposing that's something new is actually kind of something old
1: (laughs) uh the tradition nowadays is no tradition. Yeah. The be-
0: the best way to get, um, the you know, the best way to get unlost when you're on your journey is to get back on the road. Right. You know, if you're on a hike in the woods and you get off the path and you're like, oh, I think I'm going to try this other thing. You know, we were talking uh, before we were recording some of the traditions that have... Uh, come out of basic christianity you you kind of track some of these traditions and they go off and about 150 years later they come back and they're basically they're reassimilating with slight difference from where they uh not departed but where they where they reconnect from kind of branching off kind of crazy like um when they when they uh develop the Develop that doctrine, they develop it, tweak it, change it, go, oh, wait, this mm-hmm. isn't right, this isn't right, this isn't right. And then they kind of end up circling back, right, right back to the beginning. Right. And uh, it, that's one of those amazing things that when you look at something that's just happened in America, you know, over the last 200 years, I look at this and go, look, this is God preserving his church. Yep. A, a, a wandering sheep, wandering several sheep, go off. This way, and and the Lord just kind of nudge, 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 nudge. Oh, and you're back. Look, there you go. Um, and and so you know, you you were alluding to that earlier that you know, the Holy Spirit. We can look at all these different traditions in the church and go, man, what is the Holy Spirit doing? What what is God trying to <laughs> do in this church? We're so fractured. We're so divided. You know, the uh, the Roman Catholic Church says that we have something like thirty thousand denominations in Protestantism. Yeah, which isn't true but you know (laughs) you know we we can definitely what we can say is true is that we're fractured um but we know that god is doing something um and and as we are faithful to um gather together with the lord's people on the lord's day to study the lord's word um and to do what the lord commanded us to do and at the very basic fundamental uh of that is to go, uh, disciple the nations. Um, and we have a lot of different denominations taking a lot of different angles at doing that with a lot of different methods. Um, and May all, the best
1: man win. all of
0: it is pushing us towards unity. We are being built up and established in Christ. Um, so tradition, yes, is a very good thing in a lot of ways. Tradition. It's, all, it's also a very bad thing in a lot of ways. <laughs> right. Um, or a, a not bad thing a, a very dangerous thing yes um and but things things worth preserving are often not insignificant and so right. if it, if it's not dangerous uh if it if it can't be used for multiple different things we we got to be careful um not to just discard it but we want to we want to preserve that and and keep it um keep it in in the in view uh but not make an idol out of it
1: mhm Traditions are like sledgehammers. They're dangerous, but powerful. Yeah. And I highly recommend them. Make your own traditions. Look at the church's traditions. Look at, uh, what, if you're supposed to be wearing a robe to church or not, you know, look into it. Research it yourself. I'm not going to tell you anything. Don't do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to tell you not to do it, but I am going to tell you not to do it. uh would <laughs> be funny do you have any uh anything that comes to mind as far as uh recommended resources that uh, just off the top of your head that uh are good i mean right off the bat for me you know you think of something like a westminster confession uh you know for the the baptist listener you know you check out your london baptist confession look at those things that um, are rooted back Look back at uh, early creeds and confessions. We're about to start Advent, so look at look at the uh, um, the definition of Chalcedon um, as a, a a church council gathered together, um, and by by their tradition, by the things that they established there, we have a very clear statement on the deity of Christ, the nature of the incarnation. Um, and so th- those those are some of the things that I, I kind of would, throughout there, look at those, look at the ancient creeds and look at the way those have developed, um, uh, Christian tradition, uh, through the years. But, uh,
1: do you have any, anything else you would, you'd recommend? I would echo that. I would add the Heidelberg Catechism. Okay. It's a, just, just, it's a brilliant piece of work. Uh, then I would also add, uh, read some apostolic fathers, read Augustine, read Ambrose, read Justin Martyr, uh, do do a survey through church history. Look up church history lectures on YouTube. Ryan Ryan Reeves. On Amazon Prime, Ligonier
0: Ministries has like six seasons of uh, no survey way. of church history. Woo! There uh, you go. I'm almost done with the first season right now. It's, really? It's, it's pretty good stuff.
1: I, I really love, uh, I have Peter Lightheart's Revelation commentaries, and he's very good at weaving in uh, Revelations of Liturgical Book. Yeah. So he's very good at weaving in the liturgy and church history and the church and how how it all fits together in that book. I would recommend getting that. It's pretty expensive, but uh those are the but it resources looks good on that the come shelf. to mind. It does. It does look good on the show. Also
0: outs you as a federal visionist, but you know Yeah.
1: I'm such a criminal <laughs> and a jerk. <laughs> I I would just just read theology and histo- history and theology are inseparable. It it'll it's gonna get in there and know that
0: tradition is not a bad word.
1: Nope.
0: But it can be if it becomes an idol. Does it, is it pointing you to Christ and the worship of Christ? Or does that become the thing that you're worshiping? And that's Mm -hmm. where it becomes a problem. Uh, So be careful. We're not just saying, you know, somebody could listen to this and be like, Oh, these guys are saying tradition. Um, I'm gonna convert to Eastern Orthodoxy tomorrow, but no, right. no, 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 no. no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Easy there, Tiger. Um, but uh, if one person comes to me and says I converted Eastern because of that podcast episode, I'm <laughs> I'm ending it all. <laughs> uh, a, I'm gonna go dig a hole and cry yeah. in it. <laughs> I will say though, a good a good uh, thing to watch out is is like if you have traditions. And, and you want to establish them. And me and you are both young men. We want to establish traditions in our households. Right. And I think that it would be a failure. I think that tradition would have become an idol and it would have become a stumbling block if my kids leave my house not knowing what each of our traditions meant and right. what it was pointing towards. Right. It's like baptizing your kid and not telling them why. Right. doesn't make any sense. So if you're going to have traditions, they need to have meaning behind them. And the people who are participating in it need to know what that meaning is. It requires work. Right. Is what you're saying. And
0: it's not, you know, when we say those actions have meaning and they matter, um, that doesn't just mean that you just get to go through the motions and be like, Whoa, well, what I'm doing matters. Therefore I can check my brain at the door. (laughs) Um, Right. It's a magic pill. But, but you need, you need to be present and active and understanding. And that's, uh, you know, as young men, you know, looking to, to raise families, that's, that's where we start, you know, uh, and, and we're, we're commissioned with that. Um, but every individual Christian is uh, commissioned to understand everything that they do and why, um, and, and to fellowship with a local body who understands what they're doing and why, um, and know that what we're doing here is building towards a, a glorious priesthood Glorious uh, temple being built up uh, for our heavenly Father and the world that uh, His Son purchased. Um, so beautiful thing. Um, with that, I think we'll, I think we'll wrap it up. I agree. Traditions and why they matter. Now we will move on to our traditional ending. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Catch you guys next time. <laughs>